Amen. As you're being seated, go ahead and find your Bibles. We're going to be in John chapter 20 today. John chapter 20. We're continuing our series we've been calling Faces, where we walk through the book of John and we look at those individuals that went face to face with Jesus. And today, we're going to be looking at a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. The alarm had gone off way too early in the morning for Mary Magdalene. She had had a horrible weekend. Her Passover feast had turned into the Passover massacre. And her Lord, Jesus, had been arrested. She had watched as he was beaten. She had watched as he had gone through a sham of a trial, as he was led out to Calvary and crucified. Mary Magdalene had watched as Jesus died. She had a front row seat for the events. And that morning as she drank her coffee, her eyes were hurting from all the grief and all the crying, and her body must have felt like she had been completely run over, and she had a deep ache of the soul. On her to-do list was an unpleasant, difficult task. She was going to meet up with some of the other ladies that loved Jesus as well, his disciples. And they were going to go down to the tomb, and they were going to anoint the body of Jesus with these spices. It was part of the Jewish burial rituals, and so though it was difficult, they were going to do it. It was dark whenever the other ladies and her began their journey towards the tomb. And verse 1 of chapter 20 says these words, On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. You ever been out and about and maybe you're on a walk or you're someplace hiking or camping and it's just about time for the sun to go down or the sun is just about to come up and there's not a lot of light and you're not exactly sure what you're seeing. My faithful Labrador retriever and I, Allie is her name, we were out the other night, on Monday night, we were out fishing the neighborhood pond. It was just before dark, and so we look in the water, and we see a turtle. So I get a little bit closer, and I realize that turtle's not a turtle. It's a snake. (laughs) But in the darkness, I couldn't really tell that it was a snake and not a turtle. And so I can picture Mary as she's walking up to the tomb, and the sun's just starting to come up, and something doesn't look right. What's different? What's going on? And so Mary and her friends get a little bit closer to the tomb, and they realize that the stone has been rolled away. Now Mary's immediate conclusion is that some slimy snake of a person has desecrated the body of Jesus. Somebody has taken the body of her Lord and moved it. And so in verse 2, She ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and she said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Now, I always feel sorry for Peter right here in verse 4 because It's one thing to be out of shape. It's another thing for the Bible to point it out. 
Okay. So poor Peter, he had gotten a little bit pear-shaped over the years, and, and, and they start running to the tomb, and John beats him to the tomb, and the Holy Spirit inspires John to write that down. So John, in verse 5, stooping down, he looks into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter came also. Now, typical Peter fashion. John goes up to the tomb, stoops down, looks in, but doesn't go in. Peter enters the tomb, barges right in. He sees the linen clothes lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen clothes, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, then entered the tomb, saw, and believed. Now, we're not exactly sure what he believed. Did he believe Mary Magdalene that somebody had moved the body of the Lord? Or did he believe that maybe there was a ray of sunshine beginning to break into this dark story? That Jesus had risen from the dead. The reason why we're not exactly sure what he believed was because verse 9 says, For they still didn't understand the scripture that said, He must rise from the dead. So with that, the disciples went home again. Now, for the disciples and for Mary Magdalene, I think at this point in the story, they are totally defeated. Can this get any worse? They arrest Jesus, they crucify him, and now somebody has even stolen the body. And it's about this time that the tears start swelling up in Mary's eyes. All the emotion, all the grief of the past weekend just began to pour out of her. If you ever go back in your life to a time where you went through a very difficult weekend, maybe you lost somebody that you loved dearly, and you have those moments where you just break, and grief totally overwhelms you. There are few things in life that are more sad than to see a beautiful young woman like Mary Magdalene wailing that deep cry of grief. Typical of men, Mary starts crying and they go home. I don't know how to deal with this. Mary, you're on your own for crying. Mary stands outside facing the tomb. And as she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. Verse 12, she saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, where Jesus' body had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they have taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they have put him. About 30 minutes after Allie and I had our snake encounter, we were returning back to the house, and we had been on a walk after we fished, and So as we're returning back to the house, we come up on three ducks. Now, I'm not a duck expert, but these ducks were having some type of, I don't know if it's a lover's quarrel or a mating ritual or something, but they were totally consumed, and the feathers were ruffling, and there was this noise, and they were totally oblivious to the fact that we were even walking right by them. So I looked down at Allie. She looks up at me, and she kind of shrugs her shoulders, and I shrug my shoulders. And so we go over to them. 
We're about two feet from these ducks. And I have a dog that has been bred to retrieve ducks. And those ducks are totally oblivious that their worst nightmare is standing two feet from them. They are so caught up with what's going on. And this scene here when Mary Magdalene sees the angels strikes me with a, with a little bit of humor because in the Bible, when angels appear, people usually are terrified. I mean, they fall down on the face, they're like, please don't hurt me. Mary looks in the tomb, and when you look in a tomb, the last thing that you expect to see is people. I mean, you look in a tomb and see some people, you're weirded out at that point, right? But Mary is so upset. It's perfectly normal to have two blonde-haired men in the Middle East with wings and halos sitting in the tomb of Jesus. And so she starts just carrying on a conversation. Why are you crying? Well, they've taken the body of my Lord. Now, having said this, she turns around and saw Jesus standing there. Though she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Supposing he was the gardener. And I can't help but think that the early church had a lot of fun with this part of the story. Hey, Mary, you remember the time that you mistook the risen Lord for the gardener? (laughs) You remember that? They had to give her a hard time about this. Supposing he was the gardener, she replies, Sir, if you've removed him, tell me where you've put him, and I'll take him away. Now, I want you to note here, the first person, To see Jesus alive is this woman, Mary Magdalene. Now, if you don't know much about Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene had a bad past. She was not just a good little church girl. At one point in her life, the Bible says in Luke chapter 8, that she had been possessed by seven evil spirits. Some scholars speculate that she was a lady of the evening at one point in her life. She meets Jesus, and everything about her changes. She becomes a devoted follower of the Lord. He changed her life completely. Now, in ancient days, women were often considered to be inferior to men. They were second-class citizens. And so, just by way of an apologetic argument towards the resurrection, if the disciple were making up the story of the resurrection. If the resurrection were just a big lie that the disciples had created in order to keep the story of Jesus alive, Mary would not have been the first person to see Jesus in their written account. In fact, she would have been at the back of the line in the seeing Jesus order. But in the scriptures, the first person to see Jesus is this woman, Mary Magdalene. I believe Jesus wanted to reward her for her faith. When others were running, Mary Magdalene was there. She stood by Jesus. She continued being there for Jesus, even whenever things got difficult. I believe Jesus also wanted women everywhere to know that in no way are you second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. That there is a place at the table for men and women and people of all nations in the kingdom of God. 
Now, we're not sure why Mary didn't recognize Jesus immediately. I mean, obviously she was rather emotional and maybe her eyes were so full of tears that she just couldn't see who Jesus was. Maybe Jesus was having a little fun with her. And so maybe he disguised himself to her. It it does appear that Jesus looked differently after the resurrection because you, you see the road to Emmaus story where they didn't recognize him right at first and the fishing story where the disciples don't recognize him right at first. But I want you to notice Mary's commitment to Christ. In verse 15, before she realized, or before she, when she was talking, when she thought Jesus was the gardener, she replies to him, Sir, if you've removed him, tell me where you've put him, and I will take him away. Now think about that commitment. Mary had been there at the cross. She had gotten up that morning to go to the empty tomb to anoint his body. That was not an easy task by any means. And whenever she thought the body had been moved, she was willing to carry his body probably back to her home to make sure that the body of Jesus had been taken care of. Verse 16, Jesus says to her, Mary. And turning around, she said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni. She immediately realized whenever she heard her name, when she heard the good shepherd call her name, she immediately realized, that is the voice of my Lord, Rabboni, my dear rabbi. The scriptures say it means teacher. I have a friend who's a, a good Texas A&M Aggie. Any Texas Aggies in the room today? Well, we're, we've got a sneeze over here and a hand raise. Yeah, well, we've got only one? Only one? John, you're all by yourself back there. Well, give me a whoop. There we go. I knew I could count on the Aggie or the Aggies in the room. Well, Ed grew up a Texas Aggie, and he's a real Aggie. He grew up on a farm. And so he used to tell me farm stories because I'm a city slicker, and he wanted to educate me as to how farm life went. And he told me the story about this old pickup that they used to use on the farm to feed the sheep. And that pickup, when it started up, had a unique sound, and the sheep got to the point where they, they knew the sound of the truck starting up. And so whenever that pickup would start up, the sheep would just come running towards the, towards the pickup. They knew the sound of their food. And my mind flashes back in this story to John chapter 10. Jesus is talking about sheep and how he is the good shepherd. And he says in verse 1, I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And the doorkeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You see, in ancient Jerusalem, each day at sunrise, the shepherd would enter through the gated door that led to the sheep pen. And like the empty tomb, the door to the sheep pen was heavily guarded. You didn't just charge the door. So sometimes thieves would try to steal the sheep, and they would come over the wall. But the sheep would not come to the thieves. In fact, the sheep would run. 
they didn't know the voice of the robber, and so they would not follow the thief. But when the door of the pen is opened in the morning, and the good shepherd walks into the pen, the sheep know his voice, and recognizing his voice, they follow him. And when Mary Magdalene heard the voice of the good shepherd, she immediately recognized, this is the Lord. The tears ceased, the confusion cleared, and joy filled the morning. One of the greatest things about being a dad to little ones is whenever you return home or whenever you see them after you've been gone for a little bit, how they'll run up to you and say, Daddy, and wrap their arms around you. It's just an incredible, sometimes annoying, but incredible time in life. In fact, last Sunday we were in between services and I ran back to the children's area and my two girls were back there and they saw me and Karis comes running up, Dad, and wraps her arms around my leg. And so I'm walking around with a six-year-old on my leg like this, you know, clinging to me. I'm like, Karis, I've really got to go preach, okay? I need you to go back where, back to the children's area. And, and we've all, most of us have had that type of experience. Well, Mary recognizing Jesus is so beside herself. She is so elated that she just grabs a hold of Jesus. She wraps her arms around him. She hangs on to him. And in verse 17, Jesus says, don't cling to me. She's grabbed a hold. Don't cling to me, Mary. Now, why should she not cling to him? For I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go. Go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now, verse 17 is one of those verses in the Bible that biblical scholars kind of pull their back-to-the-future Professor Brown hair out on. What exactly does Jesus mean by, don't cling to me? And some think that Jesus, after he appeared to Mary, went up to the Father and then came back down. There's some problems with that view, mainly the fact that that's three comings of Jesus at that point. And frequently in Jesus' teaching, he said, when I come again. So you have some issues there. But here's what I think Jesus was basically saying to her. I think he's saying to her, Mary, don't grab a hold of me. Don't cling to me because I'm not here long. I, I can't stay. This is not where I'm going to make my home. So don't grab a hold of me. Don't think that I'm here back and everything's back to the way it used to be. Don't cling to me, Mary. Things are changing. My ministry here is done. It is finished. Now it's time for you to go out and tell others. The Great Commission is about to be given. The movement of the church is about to explode. Now it's time for you all as the followers of Jesus Christ, to take up the mantle and go out to the ends of the earth making disciples. Now notice Jesus also tells her, I am going to go to my Father. But he doesn't just stop there. He says, I'm going to my Father and to your Father. I'm going to my God and your God. Jesus wanted Mary to know that the God who resurrected him was her God too. Jesus wanted Mary to know that the heavenly Father 
who loves Jesus is her father too. And he loves her as well. This is one of the themes of Jesus' teaching. That God, as powerful as he is, as majestic as he is, totally transcendent from his creation, sovereign over the universe, the one who created all things from himself, that powerful God also desires for us as his creation, for us as his children, to know him and to love him and to call him dad. In fact, when Jesus was teaching us how to pray, he began his prayer with these words, our father. It would have been easy for him to have said, my father, and just left it there. But he wanted us to know that the heavenly father is our father. And he wanted Mary to know that his God was her God and his father is her father. You see, the star of the resurrection is Jesus Christ. The star of the Bible is God. We exist to bring glory to God, but the results of the resurrection are a family affair. Because of the resurrection, we have eternal life. Because of the resurrection, God is not just our creator. He is not the one who just satisfied his wrath in Jesus, but because of the resurrection, God is our Father. And we're his children. And he desires for us to know him. So he says, Mary, know this. Don't cling to me. Things are changing. I'm going to ascend. I'm not here long. I'm glad to see you. And so is my father. Do you ever find yourself in life clinging to the way things used to be? Sometimes in marriage, we cling to the way things used to be. Remember how life used to be before we had kids? Nobody was always demanding our time all, always, and we just kind of could go do what we wanted to do. You remember how life used to be? Do you remember how it used to be when we were dating? You used to write me those notes. Dear Cuddle Bunny, be safe. I love you so much. And you'd share those little notes back and forth. You remember how that used to be? Well, wasn't that a special time? Ah, do you remember what it used to be like when the kids were in the home and we felt like a family unit and now they're moved off? Sometimes in our marriage, we're clinging to how things used to be. Sometimes in our parenting, we cling to how things used to be. You remember whenever they were little? How cool that was when they held on to your leg, and you walked like this. You remember that? You remember how cool it was whenever Johnny was playing football and he kept scoring those touchdowns whenever uh, she was a cheerleader? Sometimes in society, we cling to how things used to be. It's somewhat natural, I guess, for us to look back to how child, how it was when we were children and fondly remember those days. You remember how it used to be whenever telephones were attached to the wall? We never lost them. They were attached to the wall, you know. You remember how it used to be whenever a website was where a spider lived? (laughs) That was a cool time. And now everything's changing, and sometimes we do that with church. Do you remember how church used to be? you remember whenever the church used to be smaller? We knew more people. We kind of knew what everybody ate for breakfast. 
You remember how it used to be before your friends moved? You had that friend that you liked to hang out with in the church. You remember how church used to be before it went digital? We had our hymn books and everything. You know, everything was right there in paper like it should be. And sometimes we cling to the past. I think it's important that we appreciate the past. I think it's important that we learn from the past. In fact, I think that's kind of a lost art. People don't appreciate their heritage very much anymore. And a lot of times we even push the past to the background and say, well, that was then, this is now. We should always appreciate and learn from the past. But we can't live in the past. We should always appreciate and learn from the past. But you can't live in the past. My wife loves to hang pictures of the family around the house. And so in the dining room and the living room, we have pictures of, of our family. Well, we were eating dinner the other day, and we look at these pictures, and we begin to realize that something's missing. All these pictures on the wall, there's no picture of Bennett. And he's a year old. Poor kid. Now, don't come down too hard on Stacy here. The lady has not slept in a year, Okay. She's been awake with him all the time, and right now she's even taking care of your kids. So, you know, don't come down on her about this. But we also, you know, we, we thought about, well, well, how can we alleviate this? And picture frames are expensive. Have you ever priced picture frames? They're expensive. So we don't have money to go buy more picture frames, and there's only so many walls, unless you're a hoarder, you just want to, you know, you know, so ultimately, we concluded this, that in, only, in order for us to enjoy today's memories, some of yesterday's memories had to come down. And we had to put some of today's memories in there so that we could really enjoy the way our family is today. I want you to know something about God. I want you to know that He is good, He is gracious, He is loving, And God has many things for you to enjoy in your life today. Sometimes we don't enjoy the blessings of God today because the memories of our life are so full of yesterday, there's no room for today. God says, I have all sorts of blessings right in front of you. I'm blessing you right now. And we don't even notice it because we're still clinging to what used to be or clinging to some script that we had in our mind instead of living in real time and taking in and experiencing the blessings that God has for us today. Take inventory of your life. You're a deeply blessed person today. And it doesn't matter whether you're in your first decade of life or your 10th decade of life, if you're on this planet taking up space, taking in air, there's a reason for it because God has something for you to enjoy and do today. The old Christian saying is true. Sometimes we just have to let go and let God. Let go of what was and let God bless us today. Well, Mary Magdalene, after seeing Jesus in verse 18 she went out and told the disciples, I have seen the Lord. 
I've seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. Her cheeks were still stained with tears. Her body still ached. The reality of her today was not what she envisioned. But Mary Magdalene will forever be remembered as the one who broke the news. I've seen the Lord. I close with this passage from Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. Paul says, I haven't reached the finish line yet. I haven't reached heaven. I have not matured to the level that I need to mature. There are still things happening in my life today. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promise by God's heavenly call. In Christ Jesus. Would you be so kind as to stand with me please. As we bow our heads. And we come to a time of commitment. I want to ask you this morning. Are, are you in that position where. You're clinging to what was. So much that you're not able to enjoy what is. Instead of living your life today. And feeling blessed today and taking in what God has given you today. You're still hanging on to what was. Maybe you wrote a script for your life and that, that story has changed. And there's some disappointment, there's some frustration, maybe even some anger in the changing of that story. I want you to know that God has a story for you to live today. Don't try to live anybody else's life. Live your life. God has things that He can do with your story, with your talents, with your gift. And He has put you on this planet to be used by Him. His story is your story. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You so much that You are not a dead God that you are alive. I thank you, Father, that you have conquered death and that in you we have life eternal. I thank you, Lord, that you are not a detached deity, but you are a heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord, that you are not somebody else's God, but you are my God. That you invite us to come to know you, to talk to you, to live with you, to sing to you to grow in you, to serve you faithfully. I pray, Lord, that we might always be learners. Help us to learn the lessons that you have taught us through this journey of life. Help us to appreciate the blessings and the good moments that we've enjoyed in life. But help us to live today, to have room in our life today for the great things that you're doing. And help us to look towards the future excited about what you're going to do. Help us to be salt and light that shines into the darkness of this world and makes a difference. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful gift of life that comes through your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in Him that we worship. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.